This is Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, Licensed Insolvency Trustees. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of this station. Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO on VOCM. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Your Money with Nancy Snedden. I am Nancy Snedden. Thanks so much for tuning in today. On today's show, we're focusing on the rising cost of food. It's taking a huge bite out of our budgets of Canadians, including many here in Newfoundland and Labrador. There's no doubt you are feeling it every time you go to the grocery store. Over the next hour, we're going to discuss the reasons behind the increased cost, how it's impacting shopping behavior and the consumer choices when shopping for food. Also, the growing demand it's creating for our local food banks. And a bit later in the show, we'll have advice on how you can save at the checkout. I've put together a panel of experts to share insight and advice. So joining me today is Sylvain Charlebrault. He's a professor and director of Agri-Food Analytics Lab and former dean of the Faculty of Management. Jody Williams, manager for the Bridges of Hope Food Bank here in St. John's. And Felicia Newell, registered dietitian, nutritionist, and owner of Sustained Nutrition, also here in St. John's. Thank you all for joining me today. Thank you for having us. The the rising cost of nearly all aspects of daily living due to record inflation is taking a toll on so many household budgets these days. And we're paying more for pretty much everything. But it's the increased expense of groceries that's being felt most acutely across the board. After all, everyone needs to eat, right? So let's start with the increases we're seeing because many are substantial. I'm sure consumers are experiencing sticker shock every time they walk the aisles of the grocery store. I know I, myself, as I'm walking through... I was looking for some steaks for the barbecue uh, just last week, and I couldn't believe how much uh, all the different cuts, right? Not just one or two in particular, but all the different cuts of beef are right now. So if we look at uh, the staples that Canadians are paying more for, fresh fruit up 10%, fresh vegetables up 8.2%, meat up 10.1%, starchy foods like bread is up 12%, pasta almost 20%, rice over 7%, cereal products almost 14% and even a cup of coffee is up almost 14%. So so then let's talk about the reason behind these price increases. Well, I mean, they, the food industry is under tremendous pressure. Uh, obviously, supply chains aren't necessarily helping. And uh, for people who are not experts in, in supply chain management, uh, it, it's just taking longer to get food to destination. And uh, there's there's been some delays um, due to labor shortages. Uh, COVID protocols are actually still affecting some parts of the world. And, uh, and that makes our economy less synchronized, which is why it's taking longer to move things around. And with energy costs today, basically at the end of the day, consumers will pay more for the food they find at the grocery store because it's costing more to get that food into stores. That's one thing. The other factor, obviously, is uh, is Ukraine. Commodity prices are way up. So if you're buying food ingredients as a manufacturer, you're, you're paying more for whatever you're, you're whatever you need to manufacture the food you're, that you're selling. So those are, are the two main pressure points making food way more expensive these days. Thank you for that, Sylvain. I know many consumers are also asking another question. When is this going to end? When are prices going to correct? And, and should we be concerned that food costs are going to continue to rise? 
Uh, I'm afraid the prices won't uh, won't go down anytime soon. In fact, if if you were to use uh, a hockey game as a, an analogy to explain what's going on with inflation, we're probably ending the first period right now. Um, the worst is probably going to happen uh, during Q3, uh, end of Q3, it's September, October probably, uh, when the world will realize that we're going to be short. Uh, there's not going to be enough food for everyone because of of the conflict in in Europe and so uh, so that's that's the situation we're in it's, it's not a great situation now for Canada specifically uh, food access won't be a problem but uh, because there's there's scarcity around the world it, it's going to put pressure on on food prices and, and that's why we're, we're not immune to what's happening globally prices will continue to rise yeah, and I'm sure that's not what people want to hear for sure. And Felicia, in your practice, you know, you're helping people with uh, nutrition and things. What are you hearing from clients with regards to the price of food and the impact on maybe their buying habits, for example? I definitely feel that I say this more and more every year because I hear it more and more every year. But within the past six, eight, ten months, a year, I've noticed it exponentially more than I have in previous years. And obviously, that's directly related to the exponential increase in the price of food. But not only that, people are having to consider multiple categories now, like the cost of fuel and the rising housing costs and groceries. I mean, as you mentioned, we all need to eat. And I myself has, I have experienced sticker shock. You look around and things are $1, $2, $3 more. And when you're buying, you know, hundreds of food items potentially per week and then per month and per year, I mean, that absolutely adds up. So I'm hearing people who didn't really want to be bothered about, you know, trying to save costs before. They would rather do what's more convenient. And now they're thinking about it. And, and some people are making kind of just small decisions and changes, such as in increasingly shopping at discount stores, buying generic food brands, um, or just choosing pork or chicken instead of, uh, you know, beef, which has become uh, much more expensive. And they see that more of like a sometimes food now versus they might have it one or two times a week before. Um, and, you know, plant-based um, meat alternatives have always been cheap. It's just that they were less acceptable before. And now, uh, thankfully, a plant-based diet is becoming more acceptable. So while it's not, you know, I know a lot of people love their meat and potatoes and not saying everybody is, um, it's realistic for everybody to switch to a plant-based diet. But you can get a can of beans for just over a dollar, a block of tofu is $3. So, you know, these are excellent sources of protein. And although, again, less used as a main staple locally, at least they're becoming more acceptable now. People are learning how to make it in a in a delicious way versus before. They just didn't know what to do with it. I know, absolutely. And I think, you know, people are looking for these alternatives because of the impact of their grocery bill, right? And, and still having to feed their family and, and wanting to give them healthy choices. Jody, what are you seeing at Bridges of Hope? Um, are you seeing an increase locally in people that need the food bank? Oh, my God, yes. Um, I mean, I've never seen it like this in my six years here, not even close. Um, you know, one time it would take us probably three months or so. They'd, like, probably see, like, ten new people that never been to a food bank before. Now we can see that in one day. Uh, a busy day for us used to be 30 people. Now it's, like, a 100. Um, wow. And so it's, um, it's, uh, and then also, you know, it's the demographic is changing.
changing. There is no demographic. <laughs> it's just everyone now is using the food bank. As in, not everyone, but before there was kind of specific demographics, whereas now it's like, um, you know, it's like working working people are using the food bank. Lots of students from Mon are using the food bank. Um, you know, anyone really that's on a limited income, seniors, uh, disability. Now, these people, some of these were always uh, part of our demographic, certainly, but I've seen an increase in those. Um, like some of the newer ones would be, we never, we saw some students, but certainly not a lot. Uh, and the seniors, um, generally, we saw them more like in the winter when the heat kind of came on. Whereas now, it does, that's not even a thing. That's just an extra extra cost to us, so we're seeing a lot more seniors. And we're just seeing a lot of families struggling, you know. We're, we're giving out a lot of more. Uh, what I'm noticing, we do these healthy kits uh, for, for kids, and uh, we're just going through so many more than we used to, which is a sign that families are struggling, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to your point, if if more people are needing the services now and heating costs are lower and they would normally have more room in their budget, I dread to think uh, what's going to happen uh, as temperatures cool off and we get uh, closer into the winter season. So definitely something to, to keep in top of mind if you're someone who can contribute and help out your local food bank. So not only are we experiencing sticker shock over rising food prices, but package sizing is also getting smaller. So, Sylvan, before we go to break, can you tell our listeners about shrinkflation? Yeah, shrinkflation annoys a lot of people. It's it's a strategy used by the food industry to uh, to reduce quantities uh, uh, without without uh, changing the price so you're basically getting less for the same price uh, and they usually do that by by changing the packaging so you don't really notice so they sell you an illusion that you're buying the same thing but you're not so the rising prices and as Silva mentioned shrinkflation are changing consumer behavior so we're going to talk about that when we come back please stay with us take a break join us weekdays from 12:30 to 1 p.m. as we discuss anything and everything that's happening now. It's all on the table during your VOCM lunch break. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money here in VOCM. I'm your host, Nancy Snedden, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada here in Newfoundland and Labrador. Today's focus is the soaring food prices. And my guests today are Sylvain Chalabois. He's the Professor and Director of Agri-Food Analytics Lab and former Dean of the Faculty of Management. Jody Williams, Manager of the Bridges to Hope Food Bank. And Felicia Newell, Registered Dietitian Nutrition and owner of Sustained Nutrition here in St. John's. So in the first segment, we talked about the rising costs consumers are facing for groceries and the many reasons behind them. And if reports are right, there is no relief in sight anytime soon. So this is really concerning for consumers and especially those struggling to make ends meet. A recent survey by Angus Reid found that 49% of respondents now report finding it difficult or very difficult to feed their family due to food prices. The recent F the Canada Financial Stress Survey also shows nearly 7 in 10 at 68% of Canadians say rising grocery prices are having a direct impact on their financial stress levels. That number is even higher here in Atlantic Canada at more than three quarters. So definitely concerning statistics. Uh, so then what is your response to this? 
Well, I, I, I'm not surprised. I mean, more and more people, what's, what's unique about uh, the cycle we're in right now is that everyone is noticing uh, that, uh, that grocery shopping is more expensive. Uh, all sections of the grocery store uh, are impacted by, by, uh, by inflation, which is, uh, which is not normal. Typically, you would probably see, say, meat or uh, dairy or bacon being affected by inflation but now right now it's everything and that's why a lot of people are wondering well how, how to survive how to make sure that you get the food you need in order to to feed your yourself and your family so it's 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 a unique situation we're in right now for sure and rising food prices has have really changed consumer behaviors when it comes to shopping for groceries you know Felicia mentioned in the first segment that people are looking more at plant-based items because they're cheaper and trying to find healthy alternatives for their family but another recent survey, also by Angus Reid, found that four in five Canadians have changed their household menus to adapt to rising prices. Nearly half of 46% of Canadian consumers are switching to cheaper brands at the grocery store. One third are cutting back on meat, and one in five are buying less fruit, fresh fruit and fresh vegetables. Two thirds at 62% also report eating out less. So, Felicia, what's your reaction to these survey results? What are your thoughts on how rising food prices are impacting the choices that consumers are making when it comes to purchasing their food? Well, I definitely feel, I mean, nobody wants to be stressed out about the grocery bill or stressed out about food in general. I mean, food is something that we all have to do daily, multiple times a day for the rest of our lives. So, I mean, it's it's disheartening that it's, it is causing this stress. But from a health standpoint, you know, cutting back on meat and, and sourcing these more plant-based options or meals does have tremendous benefits. But we do want to make sure we're getting an adequate fruits and veggies, too, because of the fiber and the essential vitamins and minerals. And, you know, we know that people in Newfoundland in general, but also people in Canada, tend to not get enough fruits and vegetables. You know, you have people that do get enough, but there's a large category of people that don't. So whether it's canned or frozen, just go for whatever is cheaper. So, you know, there's um, a misconception that fresh is better than canned or frozen. Uh, Frozen is actually just as good quality and just as nutrient dense as fresh because it's frozen at its uh, the state where it is most nutrient dense and then it loses less nutrients through the um, the transportation process. Canned still is better than nothing. You want to watch obviously for sodium and rinse when possible and, and you know sometimes fruits are packed in syrup so try to find ones that are packed in water and again rinse if possible but you're still going to get nutrients through those and canned is better than nothing. Um, so we want to obviously get those messages out there and you know in some cases if you have to um, compare between stores I find that helpful you know a lot of this is just one example but apples at one store I always see them around eight or nine dollars a bag but I have found them to be recently between four to six dollars at Walmart and my kids love apples so the, uh, that is where I buy my apples and to be honest a lot of things because I find the price is lower and that's just you know as a family of six I have four children I have to you know and, and my clients are like this as well we have to kind of go where where the cheapest food items are at this point yeah and that's a good point like I you know I guess it's more important than, than ever to sort of comparison shop and and look for sales and and look at what um, you can get at lower prices and, and make your meal plans around that would you agree 
absolutely. And I find a lot of uh, stores do have their prices on their website now, um, or even Instacart, whether or not you use it, it usually still has um, the prices on their app. Now, some of it might be inflated versus what's in store, but you can still kind of see um, what might be cheaper at different stores. But there's also flyer apps such as Flip or, you know, also just looking at online flyers to compare prices and see what's um, cheaper. So obviously we want to avoid having to do multiple trips. That's why a lot of people will just um, either like choose a discount store such as Walmart or No Frills and then just get a lot better deals because multiple food items there are, are a lot cheaper. And I guess, Felicia, you mentioned, you know, plant-based and that being a cheaper alternative and that many people are looking at that. But can you just share with our listeners, those that may not be familiar, exactly what you mean by that type of diet? So when we say I'm switching to more plant-based foods, we're not even necessarily meaning that, oh, you should be a vegan or a vegetarian, which is something different altogether, and people usually choose that lifestyle. But we know that even just choosing more plant-based foods, which is obviously your fruits and vegetables, but your plant-based meat alternatives, such as your legumes, which are beans, peas, chickpeas, lentils, and tofu, which is derived from soybeans. And all of these are excellent sources of protein and and a lot of them are good sources of fiber as well. And we know we kind of lack in fiber in the diet, and it's really important for preventing a lot of health conditions and keeping us full for longer. So there's just so many benefits. And, uh, you know, I love that it's it's increasing more. I myself, I still eat meat, but I do like to eat more plant-based food. So I think that's what we're kind of switching to. We kind of call it flexitarian, where you still eat meat if you enjoy it, but the more plant-based meals or alternatives that you include in your diet does have really uh, tremendous health benefits. Yeah, and great. And thanks for that, because I'm sure it's important for people. They probably hear a lot about this stuff, but maybe not be uh, as familiar because they haven't maybe needed to make those choices in the past. But like we said, with the rise in cost of everything now, it may be a point where people can look at these alternatives, right, to feed their family and still make healthy choices. So then any advice for listeners on making those healthy choices among soaring costs of groceries? Well, I mean, there's, uh, there, there is science out there suggesting that when, when prices are a challenge, uh, people tend to uh, make nutritional compromises, which is certainly not desirable. Uh, you want to make sure that you eat properly, even though it's getting uh, more expensive. Uh, for example, I mean, you can visit the uh, freezer aisle a little bit more often, but the one suggestion I, I, that I'm making a lot these days is we often say uh, that uh, you you should eat what you kill you should eat what you buy and uh, and what I mean by that is that waste is probably the most expensive expensive thing for households right now uh, we tend to waste a lot of food uh, the average household could actually waste up to three thousand dollars worth of food a year for a family wow. of four that's a lot of money and uh, so if you actually are very careful uh, with your inventory management with your menu management, you eat everything you buy, you will save a lot. And, and that's one thing that uh, people need to keep in mind. Me eating the same thing twice or three days in a row uh, may not be such a bad idea for your pocketbook. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think looking at leftovers or, you know, making something for supper, taking it for lunch the next day, things like that. It's, you're right. It's important to make sure that we're not wasting the food. It is expensive and it is hurting our pocketbook right now. And honestly, 
there's lots of things that uh, I won't say I make. My husband does most of the cooking, but there's lots of things that he will cook that I actually enjoy more the next day, right? The flavors develop and, and it's almost even better. So definitely some, uh, some great advice. And Felicia, I'm sure you would agree with that as well. Absolutely. I mean, even like chili, spaghetti sauce, like a lot of things taste uh, better the next day for sure. And a lot of my clients, I, I mean, it's 50-50. Some people really enjoy leftovers, myself included. Some people just have this aversion to them. So, you know, we kind of have to work with that sometimes. But I agree also with, you know, use what you have. You know, if you want to put spinach in every single meal, like in your eggs for breakfast and your lunch and your supper, I mean, yes, it might get repetitive, but you're you're going to save money, you're going to get your nutrients, and uh, you're not going to waste as much food. Absolutely. And you're having it in different ways, right? So that can become a little less, I guess, repetitive, even though it's the same ingredient because you're having it with different flavors. That's some great advice. So as Canadians struggle to keep up with the rising cost of food, many are turning to local food banks, as we mentioned. And as Jody said, the demand has never been higher. So as hunger and food insecurity increases across the country and here at home in Newfoundland, uh, you know, it's something that we all need to be mindful of. So we're going to talk about this when we come back. Please stay with us. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money with BDO. I'm your host, Nancy Snedden, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada here in Newfoundland and Labrador. My guests today are Sylvain Charlebois. He's the Professor and Director of Agri-Food Analytics Lab and former Dean of the Faculty of Management. Jody Williams, Manager of Bridges to Hope Food Bank. And Felicia Newell, Registered Dietitian, Nutritionist and Owner of Sustained Nutrition here in St. John's. So we're talking about soaring food prices today and the toll it's taking on Canadians. And as you've been hearing, Surveys show many are struggling to keep up with the rising cost of groceries, and it's changing consumer behavior when it comes to food choices. For some, the rising cost of food also means making a choice on how much to eat or unfortunately skipping meals altogether. In fact, a poll from Food Bank Canada indicates hunger and food insecurity are increasing across the country. So some really concerning statistics now. With one in five Canadians reporting going hungry over the last two years, and almost a quarter of Canadians report eating less than they should because there just wasn't enough money for food. That's really heart-wrenching for me, Jody. but you're seeing this every day. So let's talk about these statistics. Like, it really is alarming uh, to me, and I'm sure to you as well. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I can honestly say that I'm eating less. <laughs> I mean, I run the food bank. I'm a single parent, um, raising a daughter by myself on one income, and... Uh, you know, like, I basically am focusing on my daughter eating properly and sacrificing my own self. Uh, and I'm seeing, of course, that would happen with our clients, definitely. You know, the problem right now, of course, from a food bank's perspective is uh, no one's donating food, right? So, like most food banks, uh, you know, there's a heavy reliance on food uh, food drives normally. Uh, since the pandemic, they've come to a halt. They're not something that really, I mean, they're almost gone at this point. Whereas before, I mean, I could probably have two or three food drives going a week. Um, so, the, and then if, so you go from, you know, having 90% of your food donated to having to purchase 90% of your food. Um, you know, it puts us in a situation. But, I mean, our clients, um, you know, they're really struggling. I, I'm seeing, um, you know, a lot of our clients have mental health issues as it is, and I'm kind of seeing 
Um, I can kind of almost see the effect of the foods having on their mental health. You know, just just not knowing where your food's coming from. You know, if you already have an anxiety disorder in children, certainly that's going to uh, have a huge effect on you, right? Uh, and then, of course, um, you know, there's also a nutritional correlation between mental health. And if you're making these sacrifices, you know, you, you're going to buy, uh, again, something cheaper because it's cheaper just to fill you up, <laughs> basically, right? As opposed to, you know, so if you're eating just to fill yourself up as your number one goal and to eat as for the least amount as possible, you know, you're really getting into, um, you know, conceivably even health issues because of it. I mean, this is not something that's going away. So there will be a, it's not like it's like a couple of weeks and we'll get over it and we'll get back to eating normal. This is something that's been going on now for uh, a long time. I mean, this actually started for us with uh, Snowmageddon, and that was two years ago. That's when it kind of began or the, you know, we started to really see how food insecure Newfoundland was. Uh, and then from there, we just keep getting busier and busier and busier. Um, yeah. Yeah, let's see. Go ahead. It's definitely uh, a problem. And, you know, really, I hate the thought of people going without food or eating things that aren't nutritional just to, to fill themselves up. And to hear you say that there's not enough donations coming into the food bank at a time when people need it the most mm-hmm. um, is certainly concerning for me. And, and, you know, so then we know Canadians, you know, quite simply, they're just facing affordability challenges when it comes to food. So when you hear statistics like this, would you call it a crisis? Well, uh, I mean, essentially, uh, people are on edge. I mean, uh, my family and I, we volunteer uh, at uh, Feed Nova Scotia. Uh, personally, uh, we give to the food bank because we know uh, food banks can actually use cash much more efficiently than uh, than us as consumers. Uh, I know a lot of people out there um, uh, enjoy uh, giving food to food banks, but uh, food banks really can make a uh, uh, money work uh, much more efficiently than consumers. So, so we do our we are we do our best. The, the thing about right now is that uh, some of us are lucky. I'm, I'm certainly one of them. Uh, my family's lucky, uh, but uh, we have to remind ourselves that not everyone is lucky. Uh, some a lot of people will be left behind. When you have a food inflation rate above 10 percent, uh, you're going to see a lot of people. Uh, being left behind and and this is something that we have to keep in mind no absolutely and you know food banks canada their survey shows an influx of canadians visiting local food banks and i mean to hear jody's statistics earlier that you know to go from 30 people a day to 100 people a day needing the services i mean that's a staggering increase so you know usage really is up in all regions of the country including here at home and many are stretched to their limit and the summer is expected to be the toughest in the organization's 41 year history according to stats can uh, this, this survey was dated June 9th. One in five Canadians expect they are likely to obtain food or meals from a community organization in the next six months. One in five. I mean, that is an extraordinary number to me, Felicia. How concerning is that statistics to you? And what do you think we should be doing? 
I think, you know, we know food insecurity, which is the lack of access and affordability of a nutritious diet. It has been an issue in Canada for at least decades. So while it's not a new issue, it, it does seem to be exacerbated significantly over the past year or so. So it is it is concerning. Like, I think it's always been a public health crisis. And, and you know, thankfully, there are, um, you know, research organizations out there and, and other organizations that are working to calm at this, but um, you know, it, it, it does touch uh, close to home for me. I worked at a food security research center for years. I did my master's thesis on lone mothers uh, experiencing food insecurity and the shame and the stigma that goes around that. So that's another piece of it as well. And I think it's you know we need to do some changes at a personal level to. Um, you know, get a, get away from the stigma and shame around people that having to use these things, especially where it's, you know, it, it shouldn't have had a stigma in the past, but where there's more and more people utilizing it now, we should, you know, be understanding, compassionate. Um, and then obviously there are other changes that need to be made at, at a systems level and policy level. And, and, you know, that's for a whole separate conversation. But, you know, if we can let go of the internal stigma and shame ourselves, but then also be more Passionate towards other people, so that people can be open about these things and and feel less stressed and less ashamed, because those things obviously have an impact on mental health. And and ask for help. I mean, there are ways to save and to budget um, uh, on food and on other things. But a lot of people, again, they have that shame and stigma to not want to ask for help, whether it's from a friend or from a health professional or you know, eight one one here in Newfoundland has a direct. You can ask to speak to a dietitian, and they can even give you cost-saving tips and obviously that's in a confidential manner so you know I would just, obviously a lot needs to be done at all levels but um, yeah I think those would be you know kind of the things that we can do is uh, get rid of that shame and stigma and and try to look at ways we can reduce costs. Yeah, no, absolutely and I think you know here at home listening to the increasing numbers of people who need access to the food bank and to Jody's point food drives used to happen more regularly pre-pandemic and, and kind of have stopped happening so, you know, I, I would say to business organizations out there, if you could do, you know, food drives and your with your employees at the office, whether it's donations of food or, or money and, and support our local food banks. Jody, I'm sure any and all uh, support would be appreciated right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you know, I do I want to get back to what Sue Ann said. I mean, if you really, really want to help a food bank, there's no doubt about it. The best way to help is just to go to our website and just make a donation because we don't pay what people pay uh, themselves. Uh, we have relationships with wholesalers. Um, so, you know, we can certainly turn a dollar into two or three sometimes. Um and I mean, even the price of gas for someone to go out and pick us up food and drop it off here, uh, it's, it's kind of like the perfect storm, right? Even the even the cost of bringing and dropping off some food to us is outrageous. Um, so, mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, the best way to help a food bank, uh, now, of course, there's volunteering and there's other ways, certainly, for people who are not financially able to do so. Uh, but certainly, if you were able to do... And one thing I always like to let people know, you know, I think... When I first started, 
it, and uh, it's changed a lot because I'm on my way to change it. But like, it's okay to donate five or ten dollars. <laughs> like, it does, I think people might think, oh, what's the point of me donating ten dollars? You know what I mean? But we're in such a crisis mode. Like, just any money will help. You know, yeah, it doesn't matter. That's right. Every dollar counts. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I don't want people thinking. And two, it empowers people to help. Like, you know, if you think, oh, I only have $5 to donate, but then you're being told, hey, that's great, give me, we'll take $5, then uh, that's great. Because we do get people who are struggling themselves, but due to their kindness, they still do reach out and help, even though they're struggling. And those are the people that might donate 5 or $10. Um, but, hey, you know, that's great. Yeah, well, Jody, that's the way in Newfoundland, right? Yeah. Even when you're struggling, your struggling yourself, you find a way to to reach out and help Absolutely. others. Well, yeah. definitely concerning times for sure. We know every consumer these days is looking for ways to save at the checkout. So we're going to have some advice on that when we come back. Please stay with us. Join Brian Medor weekdays at noon for a comprehensive update on news from every corner on all levels, newsmakers, weather, and more. Join us on your VOCM at noon. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money. I'm your host, Nancy Snedden, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with Video Canada here in Newfoundland and Labrador. Joining me today is Sylvain Charlevoix. He's the Professor and Director of Agri-Food Analytics Lab. Jody Williams, Manager of Bridges to Hope Food Bank. And Felicia Newell, Registered Dietitian, Nutritionist, and Owner of Sustained Nutrition. So we've been talking about the rising cost of food, or, you know, really the soaring cost of food. And we're paying more for pretty much everything on our grocery list these days. And there's no way around it. Everybody has to eat, as we said before. But there are ways that you can save on your next trip to the grocery store. And that's what I'd like to talk about now. So, Felicia, I read a survey conducted a few months back by AgriFood Analytics, and it focused on how consumers plan to change food shopping habits. And, and there were some great tips within the report. So, for example, more than half at 52.8% plan to use coupons more often. Nearly half at 45.5% plan to review flyers more often. And about one-third plan to visit different food retail stores. The same plan to buy in bulk. And one quarter said they will buy discounted food that's about to expire. So these are some good tips, but what other tips do you have, Felicia, for people when they're trying to save at the grocery store? Like it's food planning, creating a grocery list. Like, like what, what should people be doing around this? A grocery list absolutely helps. I know it's one that's constantly brought up, and you'll see it at the top of all, you know, cost-saving tips. But it's because a good percentage of what we do purchase tends to be on impulse. So if we can actually make a list and stick to it, which, to be honest, not a lot of people do. They just kind of go and, and pick off the shelves what they think they need. It can help reduce the cost of those unnecessary, not unnecessary splurges. But even before you make a list, um, and I know a lot of people eye roll at this because they don't even know where to start. But to make a meal plan goes a long way in ensuring you maximize your cost-saving efforts because we know, you know, when you don't have anything planned and you buy takeout or even, you know, frozen meals, when you actually look at the cost comparison to something that you can make at home, I mean, it's, it's exponential. So by reducing the amount of times that you do that... Um, will certainly save costs. And as with any new skill, it takes some self-motivation at first. You know, put an hour in your schedule each, each week during a time you know is going to work well for you. Treat it like an important meeting with yourself. Sit down, make a plan, and uh, just start with a simple seven-day meal planning template, which you can find online. Plug in your breakfast, lunch, dinners, and snacks. 
Um, it is important that you look at your fridge, freezer, and pantry beforehand and write down what you do have and what you could use in that meal plan, such as, you know, large bag of oatmeal, rice, pasta, then, you know, at least some meals that you can plug in there. And then, you know, I like to keep a running list of meals that my family likes and enjoys, and then we'll kind of have those on rotation and, you know, try to have them maybe once a week or once every two weeks just so it, um, you know, doesn't get too repetitive. But to be honest, I myself and a lot of people are creatures of habit, so I don't even mind having certain things, you know, twice a week, especially if it's left leftovers the next day. So you can plan for that as well. Um, see, I find those are kind of the two main things is that you can do that will save such um, costs. It's just people don't really know where to get started. So, um, you know, like I said before, just start with one hour a week, a simple template, fill in what you do have, and then make a list for what you don't have. That's some great advice. And so, Van, when, when planning meals, you know, from a nutrition standpoint, cause I mean, that, that is top of mind for everyone right now, still trying to eat healthy and, and nutritiously with the cost of everything. What should people be keeping in mind? Well, uh, there's lots of information thrown at people, uh, and they're called flyers. Uh, there's a lot of information out there. Before you show up at the grocery store, you can actually get yourself educated, knowing exactly how much you should be paying for certain products. Prices are actually changing quite rapidly, so from one day to another, uh, prices will fluctuate quite dramatically, in fact, so uh, be, be on top of it as much as possible. And uh, the other thing that, uh, that that grocers are starting to to work on, and and your listeners may may uh, want to make a point in, in checking into it a little bit more, are, are loyalty programs. In Canada, we don't really have a couponing uh, culture as the Americans uh, have. Uh, Americans are really focused on coupons, but in Canada, loyalty programs uh, tend to be quite generous. And what we're finding out at the lab is that not every Everyone is using loyalty points. Every time you visit, you accumulate points. They're asking you to uh, for a card, this or that. Uh, you've accumulated probably a lot of money with, and you forgot about it. Look into it as much as possible. Uh, there are some programs out there with millions of, of, of subscribers and members, but very few, less than 5%, would actually use points. It's incredible. So that's, that's money for you, and a lot of it can be spent at the grocery store. Yeah, no, absolutely. Definitely important uh, information. You can look for sometimes uh, stores will have events as well where, you know, you use so many points, but you get the benefit of additional um, dollars beyond what the points would normally get you. So for looking out for those things where you can get more for less, uh, some great uh, tips for sure. So we've talked about homemade, right, and how making food versus, you know, eating out and planning for your meals and all that kind of stuff is important. But Felicia, what about homegrown? So a recent survey showed that 41% of Canadians are getting into gardening as a way to save reduced food costs. Um, for people growing a few items in a planter, others taking in some community gardens, like there's benefits to that stuff. So what can you tell our listeners about that? I have definitely seen an increase as well, and uh, or people at least saying that they're interested, but they don't know how to get started. And there are organizations that do have really good resources on how to get started, such as Food First NL and other resource or other resources in Newfoundland as well. Obviously, there are benefits such as getting outside, getting that fresh air, absorbing vitamin D through sun exposure, and then obviously you're getting increased access to fruits and vegetables or herbs, whatever you're selling. And while people might be a little 
little bit hesitant because they think there's an upfront investment. But as with anything, again, it's something that you just start small with and you can, you know, uh, invest as little as, you know, 25 or $50 for some supplies and seeds and then just kind of start with a very, like a herb box or something really small and then increase over time so that you're only needing to spend a little bit of money at a time. Um, and it is, you know, it, it is a commitment and something that you have to learn. But um, again, use those resources. Um, ask friends that you know who garden. Uh, growing herbs tends to offer the best cost savings for the least amount of commitment. So, um, and you can save obviously, um, you know, three, four, five dollars per um, item that you're growing. So if you're, you know, snipping from the herbs versus going to the grocery store and buying it, then that's going to save you money in the long run as well. Absolutely. That's some great advice. Well, listen, we've had some great discussion and some great advice for our listeners out there, but we've got some time now for some final thoughts. So Jody, I'll start with you. If you could leave our listeners with a final thought today, what would it be? Um, well, I'm coming from a food bank point of view, so uh, I know it's tight right now, but you know, if we can kind of keep in mind for the people that are, I guess, a little bit more well off to um, be some empathetic and um, you know reach out and uh, make some donations to your local food bank uh, if that's something that you can do. Um, yeah. Oh, that's Rusty. great. And, and like you said earlier, every, every dollar counts, counts, right? Oh, my God, yes. Every dollar counts uh, more than, I mean, ever, ever for sure. But thank you for having me on. I appreciate any kind of awareness at this point. Is is it great? Yeah, no, listen, my pleasure. And if people did want to reach out to Bridges for Hope uh, to make a donation or see how they can help, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, you can just go to our website at www.bridgestohope.ca, and from there, you know, you can make a donation, or you can look at some of our programs. You can inquire about volunteering or any any of those things. Great. Well, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. And Felicia, if you could leave our listeners with a final thought today, what would it be? I always want to let people know that there are options to eat, you know, an 80% nutritious diet on a budget because we all need room for life and treats. And, and I always push for not striving for this perfect, healthy, all or nothing diet, which I do find is the main thing that my clients struggle with. They, they have these notions that that's what it, you need to eat healthy. And, and no, I mean, it's not realistic. We're not going to never have a slice of pizza again or a hot dog at a barbecue. I mean, those things can absolutely be part of a healthy diet. So I always want people to know that. And there are low-priced healthy foods out there like our beans and, and you know, uh, generic food brands of fruits and vegetables and generic brands of your pasta and rice and things like that. So, um, and if you need help but you can't afford a dietitian, again, you can use 811 in Newfoundland. It's a free service. You can get access to a dietitian who can give you some uh, of these strategies as well. And just be easy on yourself. Focus on one thing at a time and eventually those small changes add up to big changes and could save you, you know, up to 20% a year, even if you just incorporate a few of the changes that we recommend. That's great, Felicia. And, and thank you for letting others know about that 811 service. I'm sure there's many out there that didn't know that they could get the help of a dietitian for free. But if people wanted to reach out to you for some more advice, some meal planning, things like that, what's the best way for them to do that? You can get me at Felicia at sustainnutrition.ca by email or search Felicia Newell Registered Dietitian on Facebook or at fn.health on Instagram. Great. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. And so, Ben, last word goes to you. If you can leave our listeners with a final thought. 
Uh, a positive one. Uh, please keep in mind, uh, compared to uh, before the pandemic, uh, the average family is more food literate. We can actually cook more. We know more recipes. We've used more ingredients. Uh, take advantage of that. I actually believe that households, uh, whether it's in Newfoundland or elsewhere, are better equipped to deal with inflation, much more so than even three years ago. So take advantage of that. Celebrate food as much as you can uh, as, as a household. And uh, we'll get through this. Don't worry. Uh, this is just a bad bump. But uh, in a year from now, we'll all be we're all going to be fine. Thanks for that. And you know what? That's a really great point and a really positive note to end on is that, you know, the pandemic has made us um, be in our homes more with our family, cooking more, spending time together. And it's actually a great family activity, right? Uh, cooking together or baking together. So take advantage of, of those times and, and spend that quality time with your family at home, cooking some uh, some great meals. So thanks to everybody for joining me today. Um, for our listeners out there, thanks for tuning in. If you have a comment or question or a topic you'd like us to discuss here on Your Money, you can email us at yourmoney@bdo.ca or give me a call at 800-563-8337. Until next week, I'm Nancy Stenton. Stay safe and be well, everyone. If you have a question or comment, send an email to yourmoney@bdo.ca. This has been Your Money with Nancy Stenton of BDO, Licensed Insolvency Trustees on your VOCM.